This is an MVP podcast, My Village Productions. Welcome to Unsolved America, a show where we explore unsolved mysteries throughout the United States. I'm your host, Tiffany. And I'm your host, Andy. And each week we'll throw a dart at the map and wherever it lands is the location of our mystery. This week I landed on Georgia. Ah, oh, good old Georgia peaches. <laughs> Sweet. Oh, that's Alabama. Palisade peaches are better, in my opinion. <laughs> I'm sure I'm about to start a war with somebody from Georgia. Test me. I mean, they are, Palisade peaches are pretty good. It's because they, we get that frigid, freezing air that just really brings out the natural <laughs> sugars of the peaches. It's so good. Oh, is that the no, that's No, it's literal science, yeah. So that's why um, it's like, if it gets too cold, it's bad, but they do want it to get cold to like a certain degree. Oh, they, I didn't know that. Yeah. That's why, so last year we had a really bad freeze. Mm -hmm. and uh, we didn't have any Palisade fruits or vegetables because it killed all the crops. Oh, gosh. (laughs) I did not know that. Yeah, that's the science behind it all. Gosh, science. Want to do it? (laughs) (laughs) Won't it teach you? (laughs) It'll teach so many things. (laughs) Won't get into it. It's a lot. It's a lot. <laughs> like, you know, how vaccines can save lives and things of that nature. But we won't get into all that. We won't touch that right now. <laughs> no. With a 10-foot pole. <laughs> so back let's talk track. about our mystery. I decided to talk about Justin Gaines. Okay. He was an 18-year-old freshman at the University of North Georgia. Okay. He came from a really large family. He was one of seven kids. His mom, Erica, married Steve, and they both brought children into the marriage. So it was just a little melting pot, like the Brady Bunch. That's fun, yeah. Right, right. And all the siblings range from like 13 to 21. Oh, wow. We got got rain. It was an eight-year... But there's seven kids. True. I mean, I have like a 17 year gap in between me and my sister. <laughs> so like I get gaps, you know? I Yeah. I mean, my sister and I are seven years apart, but 17, it's a lot. It's a lot. <laughs> anyway, so Ju- Justin was really close to his parents and he was living in Athens, Georgia while going to college. He always returned home very frequently. He would always spend weekends helping his stepfather with the roofing company to make some extra money he was sort of a teenager who would go along with the who would go along without contacting someone from his family but when he was there he was just he was there okay yeah so i mean definitely not a call your person every day type of person yeah yeah like not talking to your parents every single day which is normal I say that because I talk to my parents every day, <laughs> multiple times a day. Yeah, they do that. <laughs> She'll probably call right now. <laughs> I think that was who was texting me. Um, just kidding. So at college, Justin was really popular and sociable and found it easy to make friends. Um, when he was a kid, he was... Made fun of. He was chubby. He, but then he finally lost his baby fat and gained a muscular physique and worked out regularly. 
And while he was in college, he was getting all A's and B's, um, but he was also a partier. Of course, being an 18-year-old in college, he was a partier. He didn't really look 18, Okay, but he also had a fake ID showing that he was above age. Gross. Um, Mr. Gaines. I know. He used this ID frequently to purchase alcohol, um, which his mom and his stepdad didn't know about until after the fact, after he went missing. Um, And Justin... Didn't feel like it was a big deal. He thought it was a rite of passage for college students, and he didn't dwell on the fact that it was illegal from all accounts. Okay. Well, on November 1st, 2001, Justin decided that he wanted to go out and went to a place called Wild Bills. Sounds like a great time. I know. Line Sounds dancing. like you're going to get your line dancing on. Mm-hmm. You're going to get like $2 Jack Daniels shots. <laughs> you're going to have like all the Bud Light and Coors that you can have. Yeah. For like $10. Right. Wild Bill sounds like a great time. In a college town. Yeah. I mean, I remember ours. <laughs> our little country bar in our small town yeah. for college. And it was it was a good time. Good times. Cops they still play squish. the same music yes. that they played back then in present day 2021. I ain't mad at it though. <laughs> in 2021. Oh. Well, we went up to well, we went up to penalty box and I literally felt like I stepped through a different time dimension when i walked into that bar because they were playing like all the old black eyed peas jams <laughs> like everything that was like popping when i was in high school college for you guys <laughs> <laughs> i was like oh wow this is fun not a present day song in sight but that was the bar downtown denver too that we used to go to all the time the drink yeah i love the drink and then lamarck we all closed which is so sad stupid mm. pandemic then Lamarck played all the old school R&B jams. Yes, that was he fun. did. Anyway, wow. <laughs> I digress. <laughs> Drinking. Wild Bill sounds lovely. Well, Wild Bill's was actually, of course, uh, in a college town, they act, they catered to younger crowds, too. So they allowed 18 and up to enter, but only okay. 21 and up to drink, of course. Completely normal for, like, college towns. Right, right. <clears throat> and Justin was a regular at Wild Bill's, and he actually had VIP tickets that oh, night. Geez. Okay. Which I don't know what that really means. <laughs> he probably had a table. Maybe. That's maybe. all I can think. That's all I can think. But Wild Bill's was a enormous venue, so it had capacity of 5,000 people. Jeez. And it's estimated that there were about 3,000 people there that night that Justin disappeared. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> right. Could you? I can't even... Okay, pandemic aside, could you imagine being in a bar with 3,000 people? That sounds terrible. Even pre-pandemic. I I could not, because I'm so short. You're very small. And being around that many people, and if it's like on the dance floor where you're squished, I will be throwing punches. I imagine it would be like that when we try to go to Hakusan in uh, Vegas. Vegas. That one time and we literally walked in and walked out. We were like, I can't. And like walking in and walking out took like 45 minutes because there were so many people there. I, 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 I was like having a panic attack because everyone so was so bad. tall towering over me. And we didn't have the right access. They're like, you have to stay in between the yellow lines. Oh and I was like, God. I don't know what's happening. <laughs> Where am I going? What do I do with my hands? <laughs> You're not allowed to wear that hat. 
Oh yeah, you can wear hats, jackets, masks. Three thousand people in a bar sounds terrible. It was. It sounds terrible. Oh my gosh. Sure. What's weird is that he went alone, though. Um, that is weird. What he had VIP and he went alone. Yeah, I mean, he from what people have said that he was not afraid to go places alone okay. um, or without his friends. He just made friends wherever he went. Okay. And so, I mean, I guess that's normal if for someone that's outgoing. That would not be me. No. <laughs> it would be, I for me, I, it would be weird to go to a bar by myself. Right. I've been with just like me and another friend and that even felt kind of weird. I wouldn't mind that, but it, it was, well, it's, <laughs> it was after a show and me yeah. and me and um, our friend Mita mm-hmm. went to the gay bar down the street just to have like a couple drinks because the show ended a little early. Mm-hmm. That was and it was like on a Tuesday. So it just felt weird to be there. It's probably dead, too. Yeah. Yeah. There was like 20 people in the bar, yeah. not 3000. <laughs> no. <laughs> there was video on surveillance cameras that he was actually talking to a lot of people. Okay. And it didn't appear that he got into any arguments and confrontations with anyone. Well, that's good. But after a few hours, he then he got dropped off at the Duluth part and then appeared to vanish in thin air. Weird. Okay. Yep. Who was dropped off by like a taxi or like ride? I don't think they had ride chair in 2001, but. No, they 2007, but they didn't have it oh, then either. 2007. <laughs> I thought it was 2001. No, 2000. I said November 1st, 2001. Got it. That's <laughs> where I was like, hmm, but I heard a 2001. So the two that, yeah, Wait, regardless, I, I don't think. I think I just said 2001. You did. I think you said it earlier too. I might have. This was November 1st, 2007. Got it. Okay. Okay. Regardless, I don't think they had Lyft and Uber then. <laughs> no. They did not. Um, Surveillance footage showed Justin right around the time he's believed to have left the bar. Okay. And it's around 1.30 a.m. He was seen in the lobby, cell phone on to his ear, talking to someone. He apparently hadn't planned a ride home in advance. And so he was calling a bunch of friends to try to come get him, and none of them could. Well, Justin didn't appear to be overly intoxicated at that point mm-hmm. um he didn't have a wody is what he didn't have yeah <laughs> he didn't have a ride or die no I, I know for a fact i can call either one of you hoes <laughs> and you will come pick me up regardless be, of the hour we might be pissed but we will do it you will do it but you yeah next day you're like you owe me reparations forty dollars for gas and food and my integrity and just make me dinner well. <laughs> truly that's what all of our friends do with one another. <laughs> right. Um, anyways, we he he didn't appear intoxicated on the video footage. Okay. But he was seen drinking all night. So who really knows? Yeah, um, some people hide it a little better yeah. than others. And then the he the reason he didn't call his parents is because he was also drinking and they didn't know that he had oh. a fake ID. Got it. Um they also lived about half an hour away and they likely wouldn't have been too happy to get a call from him at 2 a.m. to come pick him up. And see, that's what's wild is because I know for a fact and my I think it's because my parents have told me they're like, I don't care what hour it is, what day it is, if it's a holiday, whatever the situation, if you need me, call me Mm -hmm. and I will answer the phone. Right. I mean, so that's wild. I guess like when you're younger, you're like, oh, I don't want to get in trouble. And, you know, you've been doing something wrong, so you don't want to involve them. But weird. Okay. I mean, at the same time, like, I think 
there should be a conversation like let's use a code word if you're really in trouble like you won't get in trouble with me if you call me i'd rather you be safe truly right yeah and so i think that should be started when we're young we both grew up at a time and with parents that were like very strict Mm -hmm. um but but i always knew that they would be there oh yeah yeah. my i mean like my my mom definitely has come saved you and saved me (laughs) for lack of better term yeah (laughs) so justin like we talked about earlier didn't usually call his mom every single day so when she didn't hear from him friday um she wasn't worried didn't really think anything of it and then She started to go a little bit more concerned as Saturday came along. And then finally on Sunday, she was in a panic. She called the police and reported him missing. And police immediately got his cell phone records to see if they could track him that way. Okay. The last time his phone was used was in the area of Wild Bills. He made several phone calls and sent some text messages between 1.30 and 2 a.m. And that was probably him just trying to get a ride. Right, right, right. He was trying to get a ride. But after that, his phone went silent and there was no other, no other like communication communications from it. So investigators knew that 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 was a time that they needed to start looking. And since Justin hadn't been reported missing for three days, they were at a huge disadvantage. Okay. Police noted that they didn't have any evidence suggesting foul play and they would continue to treat it as a missing person's investigation until they found evidence otherwise. That portrayed otherwise. Okay. Um, A spokesperson for the police department admitted that the case had slowed down in its second week as some of Justin's associates had been uncooperative. Okay. It appeared that many of them were afraid of saying something that they could that could get them in trouble or someone else in trouble. And since they were all underage and drinking, um, that definitely didn't help the situation. Can you get in trouble if you told them that you did it in the past, though? No. Right. No. But did, I wonder, they probably thought that they were going to get in trouble. Mm, they probably thought that or like they might have had if they were in possession of a fake ID. Um, mm. If they could, like had it on them. Yeah. Fair. That is illegal. Mm-hmm. That is illegal. <laughs> uh, two weeks after Justin went missing, a nonprofit group called the Texas EquiSearch came to assist in the search. Interesting. They were able to launch this large scale search effort and had access to AV- ATVs, horses, and even helicopters. I don't know who these people are, but that's really cool that they like, came. Who they are, who contacted them, who, right? <laughs> how did they, how did they get involved? I, that is wild. Okay. Right. Um, they hope to get a lot of volunteers, but only 27 people showed up. That's rude. Yeah. Okay. Um, but they were optimistic they would find something, and they searched extensively for three days, and they didn't find anything leading to Aww. Justin. So even after EquiSearch left, Justin's friends and families were determined to keep the search going. Okay. They hired a PI and started a nonprofit organization to pay for billboards, flyers, and other items for the search. Okay. Every Thursday, they would drive to Wild Bills and put leaflets about the case on each car in the parking lot, hoping that they would find somebody who was who frequents the bar on Thursdays. And who might have been there. And who might have been there and knows what happened to Justin. Yeah, it's like 3,000 people. One 
I get it's easy to be lost in the crowd, Mm -hmm. but then also that's 3,000 sets of eyes that could have seen something. Right. But I guess if you're drunk, I don't know. So three months passed by since Justin was seen, and the police finally acknowledged that they were working on leads on the case that seemed to indicate that there was foul play. It was something Justin's family, of course, suspected all along. Okay. But it was also very hard to hear about it from the police Mm -hmm. because then your mind goes to all the worst things. Murder. Right. His dad, Steve, told a reporter that his theory was that his stepson got a ride with someone he shouldn't have, and it didn't end well for him. That's what was my first thought, was like, he's desperate, he's sending all these text messages to somebody, somebody pulls over, and they're like, hey, we'll give you a ride, and then it ends up being like Buffalo Bill. Right. (laughs) Silence of the Lambs reference. I mean, it was called Wild Bill. Maybe that's (laughs) where that came from. Okay. Good, good, good. So the family, I mean, they assumed, they believed in their hearts that Justin was dead, Mm -hmm. but they wouldn't give up the search. The mom, Erica, she converted her garage into an office space and became, it became her full-time job trying to look for Justin and find out information. Because they have no resolve at this point. It's like, I imagine it's probably one of those things where you hold on to hope that they're alive until you have proof otherwise. Mm -hmm. I mean, a hundred percent, because there's that little little glimmer of hope definitely she created bumper stickers um she she raised reward money she would hand out flyers she set up a telephone tip line um and maintained a website for this and erica believed that justin had probably been killed by someone who offered him a ride but she held on to that small sliver of optimism and prayed that justin would come back yeah the police weren't giving up their search either though um in the first few months of the investigation they gathered a wide range of items connected to the case and 75 of the items had sent been sent to the crime lab for analysis Okay. They didn't reveal any specific information on what direction or what happened, but they believed they but they were optimistic that they would be able to solve it with these items. Mm. Justin would have been celebrating his birthday his 19th birthday on March 31st, 2008. Um, And some of the other children had also celebrated since he went missing. Um, Stepkids and brothers and sisters. Um, But they were all really, really sad he was gone. And so the next few years were really hard for them. It was heard that Erica had a migraine the entire day of his birthday and was bedridden. And so it was just really sad. And of course, they didn't know what was going on. They didn't really know any information they had no leads they nothing yeah makes sense time of course continued to move on and there was nothing happening with the case and by the summer of 2009 the case had been turned into a cold case and over to a cold case detective okay leads were still coming in sporadically and each one was followed up on but it was never it never panned out Okay. Justin's name was rarely mentioned in the newspapers, despite everyone's effort to try to keep it alive and keep the search going and in the forefront of everyone's mind. Yeah. Four years after Justin went missing, investigators made another plea for information in the case. And while they still got some 
tips every now and then, they were convinced that there were still people out there who held clues or know, knew what was going on. Yeah. As you said, there was over 3,000 people there. Yeah. Mostly from all locals. And someone had to have seen something. Right. Um. The, the request for help did result in some tips. If they learned anything, they kept it to themselves. Okay. So it sounds like they might have followed up on these tips, but never released any information on what came of it. Right. Um, It was seen that there were cadaver dogs by the area. Okay. But it appeared that they didn't find anything. And then the case went cold again. Okay. And then in fall of 2015. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So this is... Eight years later now, um, there were two arrests made in connection with Justin's disappearance. Even the arrests made, the case still remains somewhat of a mystery and many questions of if the people were arrested actually had anything to do with the case or not. Okay. On September 2nd, authorities arrested a 57-year-old man named Martin Leonard Wilkie, charging him with concealing the death of Justin Gaines. Oh. Yeah. Okay. It was alleged that Wilkie and a a man named Dustin Dillon Glass had assaulted Justin in an encounter and then ultimately led him to being shot to death. Okay. And it was also allegedly said that after Justin was dead, Wilkie and another man disposed of the body in a black metal toolbox. Wow. Okay. Very specific. Right. Very specific. All of this information was on the arrest warrant and and, um, had been told to police by Dustin Glass, who was in jail in an unrelated matter. Hmm. So another individual told the police all of this when he was already in jail. He was not charged in connection with Justin's case, although they thought Glass was a part of it. Yeah. Or a person of interest. Additionally, another female who claimed she had been present when the insult with the when the assault took place corroborated the story by Glass. Okay. And then also Dustin Glass's mom, Thelma. Bailu backed up his story, but then lied to the police about knowing where Justin's body was. Wow. She was, she had been arrested on burglary charges in August 2008. Oh, good. And then later in August, she told the police that she had helped Wilkie and another man dispose of Justin's body. So taking her word for it, these authority or no, no. police, author- police department, um, An investigator spent three days digging up a number of old wells Uh pinpointed by her, but ultimately found nothing. Weird. I don't understand people. I don't. I think they were trying to like lessen their their charge. Hmm. So she was charged with making false statements because nothing because nothing's true. Nothing you've said has been accurate. Yeah. But then she admitted she lied in an attempt to get herself out of trouble. What the fuck? So, <laughs> wait, you mean to tell you can lie about a about a crime and not get in trouble? Uh, I'm. I mean, I guess not. <laughs> it's called That's perjury. Wild. That is wild. It's probably like, isn't it? What's the word I'm trying to look for? Like interfering with a police investigation. (laughs) So even though she didn't tell them exactly where the body was, they still believed that she had some information about the disappearance. 
Why? Because she she's a big fat liar. She's the, the her story corroborated. She's with, a thief and a liar. But her sto- her story was in line with her what her son said, and unless they because she like, probably talked to her son. Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> I don't trust Thelma. I don't trust this other glass guy. Either. Right. Well, and that's what the police said. They're like, I can't trust either of these two people. Absolutely not. So he didn't put much faith into it. Okay. Um, now, it would be fucked up if they were telling the truth in some way, but <laughs> proceed. <laughs> um, so Glass was indicted in a different case where he was charged with conspiracy to commit murder. Okay. Racketeering, aggravated assault, and participating in gang violence. These are all great charges to have. Wow. Um, and it wasn't until he was in prison that he suddenly came forward claiming to have this information on Justin's case. Convenient. Right. He wanted to lessen his time. By 2017, Justin had been missing for almost t- for 10 years. Ugh. And even though they had this information from Glass and his mother, there was never enough evidence to actually charge anyone with a murder. Hmm. Um, detectives believe they knew what happened to him, but are unable to prove anything. Okay. The current theory is that Justin was carrying quite a bit of cash. He was mm. wearing a large diamond earring in one ear, and that could have caused some attention from some less than upstanding folks yeah. in the 3,000 person crowd. At Wild, Wild Bills. Well, he's got a diamond earring on. He's in VIP. He's by himself. This is probably would make him a, a really good target for somebody who wants to rob him. Right. And that's what they think. <clears throat> I mean, they think that these people, whoever did this, targeted him hours before mm-hmm. the actual disappearance. Yeah. Because I don't know if, like, you guys know this, but, like, VIP in a club is very expensive. I can only imagine VIP in a 3,000-person club. A club that can hold up to 5,000 people is probably even more ridiculous. Oh, I am sure. (laughs) But they also might have more VIP sections. Maybe. I don't know. They think that Justin was lured into a car. Most likely by a female. And then they drove to a house that was crowded with more people and that had maybe more witnesses. And as soon as they got there, they think he might have been attacked and he was choked and beaten and then finally shot to death. I don't know where they're coming up with this information. You were saying that, and I was like, that's very oddly specific for, like, an unsolved... Like, we don't know anything, but he was choked, beaten, and (sighs) shot. This is a theory, though. This is just a theory, and I don't... um, I don't know why... It's weirdly specific. It's weirdly specific. But it was also a lot of stuff from what the Dustin Glass was saying. Okay. And so he was shot, they threw him into a river, and then... They were trying to sink the body, but as you know, bodies come back up mm-hmm. because they have gas in them. Yeah. And so then they had to take the body and threw it down a well. And so this is what Glass was saying to them. Mm-hmm. Also, they did notice, and pe- some people corroborated the story that Glass was wearing a diamond ring or a diamond earring that looked just like the one Justin had. Okay. And so he, Glass, told the police he took it out of Justin's ear after he was killed and kept it. And was just wearing it? 
and just wearing it. Mm-hmm. Um, they still he still had the diamond ring. They found that diamond ring um, and they sent it to the crime lab for analysis. But there was no DNA linking the earring to Justin. So who knows? Weird. I know. But at the end of the day, we've never, the police department has never found Justin or any sign of him. And detectives continue to search for Justin's remains and are hopeful that someone comes forward at some point with more information needed to close the case. And so they think they know who it is, but they have nothing to convict this person on. But the body has never turned up. Weird. Uh, Okay. Now, a few days after Justin's disappearance, a woman called the anonymous tip line and spoke about a man who lived near the intersection of Pleasant Hill Road and Club Drive in Snellville. She believed that the man could have been involved in the disappearance. They said this caller sounded as if she were a middle-aged woman at the time, but police have no other information about her, and she opted to stay anonymous did she say why she thought he was involved or just that's it she just gave the tip and then Mm. dipped out need some more deets sis i'm gonna need some more information right tell me why Mm -hmm. you think that he is involved (laughs) yeah justin again was 18 at the time of he he went missing he had brown hair and blue eyes he was about 510 and weighed 220 he was a weightlifter And he was pretty muscular. He was last seen wearing a gray long sleeve Abercrombie shirt, ripped jeans, flip flops, and a small diamond stud earring. Okay. I believe the license or the the fake license had the name Brad Allen or Brad Shoe on it. Okay. Um, So if anyone has any information, please reach out to the Georgia Sheriff's Department and provide that information. Yes. Do it. Do it now. There is a lot in this one. I know. That was was a roller coaster, man. That was intense, like camping. Thank you for listening to this episode of Unsolved America. Head on over to Facebook and Instagram and follow us at... At Unsolved America MVP. And be sure to subscribe to our show on your favorite podcast platform. If you need to contact us, please email unsolvedamericamvp at gmail.com and we'll talk to you next week. This has been an MVP podcast by Village Productions.